What I want to talk with you today about is I want to talk about the fact that it benefits, there's benefits of knowing God. You know, th sometimes I think we just kind of go through the motions. Um, you know, religion oftentimes stifles us. It gets us involved in a particular uh, ritual that we go through. But you know the problem with ritual, oftentimes we can leave out relationship. And uh, Christianity, you know, you've heard me say this many times, that <clears throat> Christianity is referred to as one of the great religions. But in actuality, that isn't a true statement. It isn't a true statement because Christianity isn't a religion. Religion, in its definition, is man's attempt to get right with God. Christianity is a relationship. And what that relationship is, is what Jesus has done for us so that we might come into fellowship with him. And so it's not about what we do or what we've done. It's what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. But, you know, I think oftentimes we lose sight of the fact that um, it's good to serve God. There's benefits in being a Christian. And so that's what I want to talk a little bit about today, that there's benefits. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says in John, he says, my sheep hear my voice. We hear it and we know his voice. And so we need to know the voice of God. And in knowing that voice, there's benefits that go along with that. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think so often we see Christians and they're struggling in their faith. And I think one of the reasons that we oftentimes struggle in our faith is because of, the, of a lack of that personal relationship that we need to have with him. And so it's so critical that we not just go through a form of religion, but we actually have an intimate relationship with Jesus, that we actually fellowship with him. The scripture says, in, it's in John 10, 27, and it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so it's not just that we, <clears throat> we know his voice, but we, we follow him. It isn't just a form that we go through, it's a... Um, it's a life that we live. You know, oftentimes we hear the term, well, talk is cheap. Well, talk is cheap. You know, in James it says that faith without works, faith without corresponding action is dead. And so it's not just simply about talking about God, but it's about us living our life and following after him and fulfilling his plan and his purpose. In Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, the 22nd verse, he says to the children of Israel, he says, you shall be my people and I'll be your God. You know what? That hasn't changed. He wants us to be his people and he wants to be our God. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's one thing if you're something because you have to. It's another thing because you want to. God wants to, wants to be your God. You shall be my people and I shall be your God. 
Just going over one chapter to Jeremiah 31. And then in, the, in verse 34, it says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I'll remember no more. Isn't it exciting to know that God has forgiven our iniquity, he's forgiven our sins, and he's not going to remember them anymore. I don't know about you, I used to, I used to kind of struggle with that. You know, because God is all-knowing. Amen? God knows everything. And he doesn't remember my sin? But then I realized something. His choice. He chooses not to remember my sin. You know, oftentimes, as individuals, I've heard this statement many times, I'm sure you have, you have as well, you know, how an individual wants to forgive somebody, but they say, I just can't. I just can't. I, I think that I've forgiven them, and then I, I feel like I haven't. I won't ask for a show of hands, because some of you won't raise your hands, and then we have to have a prayer line for liars. <laughs> but we've all fallen into that category. But you know, it's an interesting thing. God has forgiven us and he chose, chooses not to remember our sin anymore. It's, a, it's an act of making a decision. So how do we forgive? We forgive out of obedience. But then to maintain that forgiveness, we have to choose. We have to make the choice. That when those thoughts begin to, or try to rise up, we're able to forgive because God has forgiven us. <clears throat> you know, one of the keys that I found in my own life is I, I found that I can forgive. But the reason that I'm able to forgive is because God has forgiven me. And if he can forgive me and my mess, why can't I forgive you and your little deal? Amen. But I think a lot of times our problem is, is we don't have a revelation of what we've really been forgiven of. And as a result of that, oftentimes our relationship with God isn't secure, it isn't sustaining because we think we're something. We're outside of Jesus, we're nothing. Now I know what Pastor Becky and, and uh, uh, shared with you this morning how wonderful you graduates are, and you're wonderful. But know this, your wonderfulness, wonderfulness, says, come through him. It's not because of you. It's because of what Jesus has done in you. And as you live your life fulfilling the purpose and the call that God has for you, you will find a contentment, you will find a fulfillment in life that you'll never find in any other way. We, find, we, we live in a culture where people are dissatisfied, where people are not happy. And the reason that they're not happy, the reason that they're not satisfied, is that they're trying to live out their own deal. Rather than acknowledge and recognize God's plan and purpose for their life. Now the interesting thing is if you're walking in God's plan and purpose, you're probably going to be doing what you're doing right now. 
It's such that you're going to have a totally different attitude about it. Because rather than trying to serve self, you're going to be serving him. You know, to find his plan and purpose, we've got to wait on him. Wait on him. Pay attention to him. Hear from him. My sheep, hear my voice. My sheep, know my voice. But you know, it's an interesting thing about a voice. If you don't listen for it, you won't hear it. You know, I grew up on a farm in southern Minnesota. And we had, we had two-cylinder John Deere's, the old putt-putts. And of course, we didn't have any uh, mufflers on them. In fact, most of our tractors didn't even have straight pipes, so it got it over your head. It just came right out of the tractor. And, uh, you know, we, they, were, they were small tractors, and so a lot of times when we would plow, especially when we were plowing alfalfa, we'd have to hook two tractors up to it. And so I was always on the front tractor, and then Dad would be on the back tractor. And uh, so I, I not only had the the sound from the John Deere in front of me, I had the sound of the John Deere in back of me just barreling. And so, you know, if you're talking to me sometime and I look at you deadpan face, it's, it's because I see lips moving, but I hear yum, 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 yum. And that's kind, of, that's kind of the result of it. But, you know, I, I've learned that uh, if, if I want to hear people's voices, I have to pay attention. Uh, when Pastor Becky speaks to me, I know that I need to stop whatever it is that I'm doing and look at her because part of it is reading her lips, but I know I need to pay attention. Well, how in the world do we think we're going to hear from God when we don't ever pay any attention to him? when we don't read his word to hear what he has to say to us, when we don't get alone and quiet. You know, some of us are so accustomed to noise. We can't survive without noise. We've got to have noise continuously. You know, we drove over to, Council, over to Omaha yesterday, Council Bluffs, I guess, for a dance recital, and then we went to a graduation over in that area as well, and then drove home and you know, have the radio on and, you know, it's, it's good music and, you know, I have Christian radio on and after a while it's just kind of all starts sounding the same so I put my 60 hits on. Hear what I'm talking about? You know, you listen to that a little while and all of a sudden it starts all sounding the same. Finally, just turn the sucker off because all it is is a bunch of noise. And your mind isn't able to focus on anything. Some of us, we have noise continuously in our life. And then we wonder, why don't I hear from God? Why can't I hear from God? It's because all the noises in your life are louder than the voice of God. Because the Bible says it's a still, small voice. You know, God's a gentleman. The thing about God is he doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't make you listen. We have to make a decision. We have to decide, I am going to hear from God. And that means sometimes we have to get off by ourselves and get quiet. 
so that we can hear from him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, who is in perfect harmony and fellowship with Father God, would periodically get off by himself to spend time with his Father. Why? Because he wanted to hear from him. Isn't it miraculous that almost every time that you see Jesus getting off by himself to listen to the voice of God, his Father, the next thing you see, you get to the next chapter in the Gospels, and what's Jesus doing? He's doing something miraculous. Just think what would happen in our lives if we'd get quiet before God and allow him to speak to us. We would begin to see the miraculous in our life. But you know what? It's not just simply praying for the miraculous. It's hearing so that we can follow after him and fulfill his plan and his purpose. In Isaiah 64, 4, it says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits on him. Who acts for the one who waits on him. There's this part of our Christian walk where we wait on God. Again, we're in, we're in such an active society here, there, everywhere. Just, just constant motion. We're never in a place where we're just still. Not just simply so that we can hear that still, small voice, but so that we can wait on him. So that we can be in a position where he can speak to us. Let me read that same verse. Only I'm going to read it from the Amplified. For from of old, no one has heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you, who works and shows himself active on behalf of him who earnestly waits for him. You know, we're not waiting on God. We're not waiting on God. We're waiting for God. We're waiting for that next step that he has for us in our life. We're not waiting on him because God is here. God is present. God is active. But we're waiting for him to show us what our next step is. Still in the book of Isaiah, I want to go back a little bit and go back to the 31st chapter of Isaiah. I want to begin reading in, in verse 1. It says, Woe to those who come to Egypt for help and rely on horses. Now, now we're going to look at this and we're going to think, this is how does this scripture apply to me? Well, during the charismatic renewal in the early days, we used to sing this song, and some trust in chariots and some in horses, and some, but we'll, we'll remember the name of the Lord our God. Now everybody says, oh, Pastor Dave, please stop. <laughs> I will. But see, that's, what this, that's where this song came from. It's talking about what we, what we trust in because every one of us, we encounter battles in our life. It may not be dealing with a horse. It may not be dealing with a, with a, 
with a chariot. But every one of us, we encounter battles in life. And what are we going to depend upon? Are we going to depend upon those horses and chariots to deliver us, those circumstances, those others in our life? Are we going to put our trust and confidence in him? Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster and will not call back his word. It's not going to call back his word. His word is going to go forth. But will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity or that which is coming against you. Now the Egyptians are men and not God. And your horses are flesh and not spirit. Then the Lord stretches out his hand. Both he will help. Who helps will fail. And he who helped will fall down. And all will perish together. Those that are coming against you. Now let me read it in a language that is a little easier to understand. This is the message. And it's deemed doomed to those who go off to Egypt thinking that horses can help them. Impressed by military mathematics. Awed by sheer numbers of chariots and riders. And to the holy of Israel, not even a glance. Not so much as a prayer to God. Still he must be reckoned with. A most wise God who knows what he does. He can call down catastrophe. He's a God who does what he says. He intervenes in the work of those who do, do wrong. Stand up against in, <clears throat> interfering evildoers. Egyptians are mortal, not God. Their horses are flesh, not spirit. Then God gives us signal. Helper and helped alike will fall in a heap and share the same dirt grave. In other words, he's saying, who are we going to rely upon? Who do we depend upon? Do we depend upon the circumstances around us? Or do we put our trust in him? But you know, to be able to put our trust in him, we need to know him. We need to be aware of what he's accomplished and what he's done for us. We need to know that we can trust him in every circumstance, in every situation in life. And that becomes by waiting upon him. You know, a lot of us, we have a knowledge of God. But you know, just simply having knowledge of God isn't enough. Just simply knowing about God isn't enough. We're to know him personally. We're to know him intimately. And the Bible talks about this. This is one of my favorite portion of scripture out of the Gospels because it, it, it's, it's so eye-opening if we'll truly hear it and see what he's talking about. But in, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in the 13th verse, it talks about how Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it says, and Jesus answered and said to them, 
Well, let me back up just a little bit. I started too far down. I'm going back to 13. Then Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know what? <clears throat> we, have, we have people all over the place that want to tell us who God is. They want to tell us who Jesus is. You can, you can turn on the TV. You can turn on the news. And they'll tell you who God is. You turn on the programs on TV. And they, they threw their, if not directly, they, they through their behavior are trying to tell you who God is. But Jesus says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, I can tell you who I believe Jesus is. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. He's my counselor. He's my all in all. That's Jesus to me. But you know what? <clears throat> that doesn't make a difference in your life. What makes a difference in your life is who is Jesus to you. You know, maybe... Maybe all that Jesus is to you is a story that you read on Easter and Christmas. But if that's all that Jesus is to you, you don't really know him. Because Jesus is no longer a baby in a manger and he's no longer dead. He's a living Savior that is seated in the right hand of Father God in heavenly places. He is a Savior that lived on the earth for 33 years, gave his life, performed miracles, did all of that for you and I so that you and I might live the, the victorious, abundant life. That's who we need to know who Jesus is. But you know what? We'll never know who Jesus is until we put ourselves in a position to know him, to where we allow him to speak to us so that we can come to listen to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so what he's saying is, Peter, man did not reveal this to you. You received this by revelation of God, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's an interesting thing about growing up in church your entire life and hearing about Jesus. You, you, you think you know a lot. And you do. You know a lot. You just know a lot. You, you understand what I'm saying? You know a lot. But you just know it. But then you pray and you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden that knowledge is not just a bunch of stuff. All of a sudden, those things that you had heard about Jesus is no longer about something that came out of a book, but it's something that is alive to you. And that's what Jesus is saying to Peter. You've walked with me for these years, but it isn't just about what you saw me do, what you heard about me. 
You've received something by revelation. You've received something that no man can reveal to you. You know, people say about us preachers, you know, you're just trying to shove that Bible stuff down our throats. I wish I could. Man, if I could, I would line everybody up. I would have a stack of Bibles and I would shove it down your throat. But of course it doesn't work that way. We've got to hear. We've got to see. We've got to receive. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each of our lives. He wants us to receive the fullness of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said again to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You ever feel like you've gone through hell? You know what that means? That means you're still sucking air. That means you're still breathing. Because we encounter difficulty in life. But you know what? Just simply knowing about Jesus doesn't empower us. But when we have a revelation of what Jesus has done for us and through us and in us, there is absolutely nothing that can stop us. There's nothing that can take us down. When you're in the midst of a crisis and everything that's going through your head is totally contrary of the way it's supposed to be. Because every one of us, we have a way that we believe that it's supposed to be. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. I know that it's true. Every one of us. And it goes contrary to that. You know what keeps us solid and secure on solid foundation? It's a revelation of Jesus. It's a revelation that knowing no matter what the circumstances are that are taking place in my life right now, Jesus is bigger. Nothing's impossible to him. In fact, everybody just say that right now. Nothing's impossible with Jesus. Now let's all say it again like we mean it. Nothing's impossible to Jesus. Amen. We serve a big God. Listen to this. In Psalms 91, wonderful psalm. In Psalms 91, I want to just read a couple of verses from there. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. And it says, He who dwells in the secret place, the secret place. That means we're in a place where we get along with God and nobody else is welcome. Because it's a secret place. It's, it's, it's for me and Jesus. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress. In Him I will trust. 
You know, it's a tough place to get, but it's a place that we have to get to where we put our trust, we put our confidence in Him, no matter what the circumstances are that are going on around us, dropping down to the seventh verse. A thousand may fall by my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. What's that mean? I mean it doesn't matter the battle that I'm in. Whatever is going on around me, whatever is affecting everything around me, it's not going to affect me. Why? Because I'm in my secret place. I'm not talking about putting your head in the sand and denying what's going on in the world and what's going on around us. But what faith does is it gives us the tools to deal with whatever it is that's going on around us. And we do that because we put our confidence in Jesus that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, He'll never let us down. In Daniel eleven thirty two, it says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. They shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Once again, Notice that it doesn't say that we're never going to have to confront anything in life. We are. But we're always going to be victorious as we put our trust, as we put our confidence in Him. And so we have to put our trust and confidence and know Him firsthand. Backing up a little in Daniel 2.19 it says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The secret was revealed to him. We have a secret place. And what's that secret place for? For secrets to be revealed. You know, the Bible talks about the mystery. What we have in the new covenant is we have the mystery. And you know, we think of a mystery and we think of something that's hidden that you've got to find. Well, the mystery that the Bible talks about wasn't hidden from us. It was hidden for us. But the thing about that mystery is it has to be revealed to us. And the way that it is revealed to us is when we get into that secret place and the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to show us. It comes through the Word, but then it comes alive as we spend time with Him. He wants to show us the mystery, the mystery of the body of Christ, the mystery of being his body, of being victorious. He wants to show us the mystery that we've been delivered from whatever it is that the enemy wants to bring against us, that we are victorious in life. In 1 Kings 17.1, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gideon said to Ahab, As the Lord of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except by my word. And you, you, you probably are familiar with the story. This is when the Lord spoke to the prophet and said to prophesy that there's not going to be rain on the earth for three and a half years. And he went to the king and he said, King, it's not going to be rain for three and a half years. 
And you know what? There wasn't rain for three and a half years. At the word of the prophet that he heard in the secret place. But you know, we look at Elijah and we think, well, you know, he's an Old Testament prophet. He was a man of God. He was pretty important. And so God revealed things to him because he is pretty important. Now, I'm just little old me, but Elijah is important. Well, listen to this. Out of James, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse, I'm going to read it out of the NIV version. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Nothing special. It's a human being like you and me. Except he got into a secret place and he heard what God had to say about the whole deal. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Why? Because of his word. These accounts that we have in the Old Testament they're examples that we can look to. They're examples that reveal how God used an individual to do great exploits. You know what? <clears throat> I already said it. Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. Pastor Becky this morning downstairs talked about hands, the importance of hands. Barb talked about hands and feet. We are God's hands and feet. Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. And unless we, the body of Christ, will move and do what he's called us to do, it doesn't get done. Well, Jesus, just do it. <laughs> Isn't that what we want? Just, just do it. But it doesn't work that way. He has to have a vessel that he does it through. And those vessels are you and I. And so we need to find that place. Well, there are three things that I wanted you to see this morning. The first benefit of knowing God is revelation knowledge. Not just simply knowing about him but knowing him. The second be benefit of knowing God, Elijah was the example, boldness. We have confidence. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to every man who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So guess what? Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile this morning, you qualify. And so he wants to reveal himself to you. And so he gives us boldness through the Holy Spirit. And the third point is sure success. The third benefit of knowing him. You know, <clears throat> we used to talk about when we walk by faith, it's like cutting out, walking out on the end of a limb and cutting it off. No, 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 no. Well, there is a sure thing there. You're going to fall. 
But serving God is a sure thing. His word is a sure thing. His word does not change. The victory that was ours is still ours today. And it will be ours tomorrow because of what Jesus has done for us. So <clears throat> that's why faith, faith is unchanging. It does, isn't, isn't determined by the circumstances. It isn't determined by whether what we see is good or bad. Faith is determined by knowing what Jesus has already done, what he's already accomplished for each and every one of us. And so that's why the knowledge of God, the revelation of Jesus is so important. Because no matter what comes our way, we overcome. No matter what comes our way, we're going over, we're not going under. Deuteronomy 28 says we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We have the victory because of what Jesus has done for us. And so when we take time to be quiet, take time to hear him, he wants to speak to us. And he wants to reveal things to us. But do you know what the number one thing he wants to reveal to you and I is? Who he is. Because once we know who he is, we have confidence. And once we have confidence, all things are possible because of the completed works of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So Father, we thank you today for, Eve, for Jesus. He's not simply the author, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. And Father, we want to walk in the victory that has been purchased for us through Christ Jesus. Father, draw us aside. Draw us to that place where we'll wait for you. Not on you, but we wait for you to speak, to give us that revelation that Peter talked about, to give us that vision that Daniel talked about, to give us that boldness that Elijah had, that we might speak with confidence what your word says about us, and that you might be lifted up and you might be glorified in this earth. Because, Father, we know that it's not about us. It's about you. So, Father, have your way in each of our lives. And we'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the thanks. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his might. Go in the marvelous name of Jesus our loving Heavenly Father. And before we close, can we pray for you? We got a mama that's coming up next week, and so we're going to have mama pray for you. It's this week. Yeah. So you want to pray for her? Sure. Father, we just thank you that you are the author and the finisher of life and of our faith. And I just thank you that you are the curator of this child within her. 
I just thank you that you have um, your hand on this baby. I thank you that this mother is fearfully and wonderfully made Amen. and that she has been prepared and, and given the gift to be able to reproduce and to give life. So we just pray that every part of her body, her reproductive system would cooperate with your word and, and act according to your word, that this, this delivery will go quickly and easily and that this baby and this mother would be blessed in every way. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, don't you just love babies? So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.